0: Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Lunch with Lindsay. So this one is about female friendships. Guys, I swear there are nuggets for you to pull out of this as well. But here's where this conversation started. So um, we all have different groups of girlfriends, right? That are from different parts of our life or they, um, they serve different purposes for us. So myself and three of my friends were asked to be on the cover of a magazine, okay? So this is our local Westport Magazine and They wanted us to be on the cover because they know that um we do frequent lunches where we really dig in and talk about career and life and all the things the challenges the struggles the great parts all of it but my friend stephanie who is an actress emily who's an accomplished novelist and allison who's a journalist on cnn we um i find really do support each other so this one the theme would kind of be collaboration and Camaraderie, but they wanted to sit us down to have a conversation after the photo shoot. And Samantha Yanks, who is the editor-in-chief of this magazine of Westport magazine, invited us into her home. She had a beautiful lunch prepared for us, but she was cool enough to allow me to record my podcast conversation around her same interview conversation with us. And it was a really cool vibe and it actually was, I enjoyed it because it allowed me to open up about things that when you're you know, usually the moderator, so to speak, you don't really get all that chance. So it was such a beautiful lunch. It was a great conversation and What I think is that there are a lot of relatable things that can be taken out of it. We have all had um, experiences where we didn't feel like we were enough, we didn't feel that we were, you know, maybe doing what we should be doing, but at the end of the day, what I've learned from this group of women is the kind of woman that I really want to be, in a professional sense, in in a sense of sticking up for myself, and in a sense of, you know, calling my shots, creating the boundaries, but also really finding a way to dig into the passion that fuels me. So here's this conversation over lunch a gorgeous Italian salad at my friend Samantha's house with Allison, Stephanie, and Emily. I hope that you enjoy it. Um, we begin talking about what we're all up to now.
1: I'm passionate about acting. that's my passion. Yep. And ten years into my career, when finally doors were opening up, I lost my confidence and I wasn't I just had basically imposter syndrome. I was like unable to perform because I was worried about what people were thinking. They're gonna live blah, up blah. super common for a lot of people. yeah. And, and that drove me to uh, you know, discovering tools to help me um, navigate doubt fear change all that better what project were you in when you when that happened to you so i got dinner for schmucks yeah. i auditioned the auditioning process was like super intense and i did well i'm a competitive like i played golf in college i'm a competitor and i was like yes and you know I, I it got I, your juices going yeah and i, and I, I was realize. like doing my thing for 10 years i had been like you know a struggling actor and I've always been, um, motivated by negative reinforcement. So when people don't believe, you know, that mm. I, I'm like, yeah, yeah so, yeah, but that. then, then I get this role and people all of a sudden are like, Oh my God, we're so happy you're here. And I'm with Paul Rudd and Steve Carell and, always, you're in the game. yeah, but I'm like, they're so, they have so much more experience. They're icons and what am I doing and I was weird like I couldn't get it together I know what nerves are like but I could always get it together and I couldn't get it together and I felt like I couldn't perform and I felt like crap what did that look like in the like how how does that manifest nobody could see it but it manifested me driving to the set with my heart like this my legs feeling like they're cut, you know, like
2: when you almost get into an accident and your legs are like, uh-huh. it, like that. But you knew you needed to tackle it, right? Like you weren't, like at some point you were like, I can't power through this, like I'm powering through other things. Like you needed support in a way. Yeah, but
1: I and I had spoken to a therapist and he was telling me who I <coughs> love, but for this specific thing I couldn't, what, what, what he was telling me wasn't really... Helping. Helping. And then after that, for two years, like I actually didn't get a job. I couldn't even get a, I remember there was an action movie, and I'm not an action movie person. And there was a role for the French bartender, and I was like, okay, I got the French bartender. I couldn't even get that. So my, really, my confidence was crappy. And then I got this other movie with Ryan Reynolds, Kevin Bacon, and Jeff Bridges, Bridges. And again, big auditioning process, did well in the auditioning process. And then I'm like, yeah, and when I get on set, I'm gonna fuck it up. And, (laughs) but then I, and we're diverging, but this explains the book really. And I was commuting between Boston and New York. And I saw this bookstore, a book by Deepak Chopra called The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. And I was not a self-help person. I would have been like, what's this crap? Uh, but for some reason, I got this book and I read it on the way to Boston from beginning to end. I called my husband and I said, oh my God, I read this book. It's going to change my life. And I went to the bookstore, get flashcards. I'm a little bit of a nerd and I did seven laws, seven flashcards. And every morning before I'd go on set, I would look at my flashcards. And that really changed my whole experience on set. It allowed me to be free and et cetera. Great. But three weeks later, if you had said to me what was in that book that you said was going to change your life, I would have been like, I'm not sure actually. You know, you forget things. And so the book that I'm doing now is so eventually what I did is I created a playbook for myself on my phone with all the takeaways from books or podcasts, all this stuff that helped me so that every morning I can look at these things that help me navigate, you know, difficult times or just. Um, a day on set and they're all top of mind and I've been using that for five years it completely changed my work and also my life and during COVID, I'm almost done <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: I, I'm, keep like, like, I'm so like, captivated keep like done. you don't need to you don't need to stop don't During worry. during COVID so I did a show called The <coughs> million little things that was about depression and suicide and there was a mental health consultant on the show who I, her name was Barbara Van Dahlen. She started a nonprofit called Given Hour and we really, really enjoyed talking with her. Then I did some work with them. And during COVID, um, two people from Given Hour called me. You know, We were all locked in our houses. And they were like, what do you do? We're, we'd like to get to know you better. What do you do for your mental health? I was like, well, I do this little playbook thing. And they were like, we love this. Can we do a webinar series to bring it to our community? and we did that. People loved it, but people would always say, so what goes in your playbook? And I was like, it's personal. We're all different. Whatever makes you, you know, be you, think better, feel better, do better. And then bringing it back to Westport, Rodi Lorenz, who started Joyride here in town. I did not know Rodi, but she watched uh, one of the webinars and She contacted me and she said, I love this. I want to bring this concept to my instructors, but I'm still confused. How do you create your playbook? How do you decide what goes in it? Have you ever thought of writing a book? I was like, no, what would the book be? And she said, a workbook, like or a book, book, how to create your playbook. And so I was like, oh, cool. And so I went to the nonprofit because I didn't want to do this. I I was okay writing it on my own, but I didn't want to. I felt like I didn't have the authority to do a mental health uh, workbook. And they were like, yes, let's do it together. And we included then other given hour ambassadors who share their stories. I'm really proud of it. It sort of took a life of its own. It's got stories. It's got eight exercises. I think it will make people laugh. And I think it will help people. That's
2: can't wait by the
0: way like some of the most successful NFL players and specifically it makes me think we've talked about this before Russell Wilson when he was with the Seahawks had a sports psychologist who created a um, a reel for him that he would watch I think it was before every single game and it was I forget how many minutes it was but it was highlights it was exactly what Russell needed
2: I, mean, Is that I know what it was. It was
1: Michael Gervais,
0: the sports psychologist. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So in it, he would watch it, and it would pump him up. And it he talked about how. So it's a very yes. Like,
1: such so a great... I actually I took a course from this guy yeah. who worked with the Seahawks, and he said so that's like their highlight. Really, it's like all moments where you shine in your life, and that's part
2: of the playbook. But there's other things yeah. too.
1: Love
4: it. I love I it. I also it. love
2: that you brought it back to Westport. That's mm. actually very, very cool in terms mm. of like part of what just kind of you know drove the drove the conversation and who who motivated you. That's really cool. Well,
1: and I will then say, so through that, just one last thing, because through our lunches, we're talking and mm-hmm. I tell Lindsay to him like and we're working on an app and for this as well. And Lindsay's like, I feel like you should meet my friends in town here who started little big brands. They're a couple, they're a branding agency. I think they would really love this. Yeah, they were our neighbors. Yeah. Pam and John. And, and then so I met them and we're doing the app together. And they actually came up with the name the book is named Selfish. <laughs> And it was their naming, their branding person who yeah. named it, which I, I mean, they had like 15 names and one of them was selfish.
2: And I was like,
4: that's I it. love that.
2: It's so cool. That's, that's
4: totally
2: name. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Allison, I know you have mm-hmm. so much that's going on. Um, what are you like hyper, hyper focused on professionally at the moment?
3: I do try to inject some humanity or some levity into what I'm reporting in the news because I think we need that. Like, I truly think it's a public service. I think it's a mental health service. I know how hard it is to digest this news cycle that we're in. It's all, it can be all pretty catastrophic feeling between climate change, between school shootings, between the the chaos and toxicity of the political system. I understand that that can make us feel actually sick. And so I just try to be human and ask human questions and try to be relatable and try to have some levity if we can find it anywhere, because we still have to laugh and have conversations through it. And so that is what I kind of have tasked myself with. Um, And then people often ask me, what do you do for your mental health since you're steeped in the news cycle, the toxicity of the news cycle all day? And I ha- I like writing, I like writing. And that's helps me process my thought, my thoughts. And that's kind of a journal. I've always kept a journal from the time I was a kid through teenage years and writing stuff down on the paper is like a slower thought process than breaking news and live TV. So um, I've spent the past 12 years working on a memoir. And I mean, it's a total passion project. It's a labor of love. It's been hard to do it because I'm not a professional writer like Emily. So writing a book is really hard, but very rewarding for me. I enjoy it. I never have writer's block. I have a lot to barf out on the page. And <laughs> <laughs> Same girl. Same. Yeah, that's that's awesome. awesome. And these women... Emily reads everything that I write, by <laughs> the way, right, before no, I publish anything. That's I'm so like, great. I just barf it out. But yeah. like, she gets to like it. Uh, so, like, I have the opposite of, you know, writer's block. <laughs> like the writer's barf. And so, um, oh my god, I love that. And so, so cool. That is actually yeah. great a great band name, writer's yeah. barf. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, no, Nobody will buy it, but that is what I feel. <laughs> I'm so... But, but uh, like Stephanie was saying, these women have been so supportive. Like, um, you know, Ellie's a writer. She's a real writer, okay? She's a professional writer. But she still takes what you know, I'm doing seriously and says, oh, have you thought about this agent? Have you thought about this publisher? Let me... Uh, uh, I did hear about a publisher here. Let me hook you up with this person. And it's so kind and generous and supportive. And it's uh, made it all easier. It's just, and everybody, I mean, these, yes. these guys have, right now are working with a great PR person who they've introduced me to. Like everybody always at our lunches, they always yeah. bring, suge- they're great sounding boards. Yeah. They bring great suggestions. They bring great advice and really helpful stuff. Emily. Suggested the publishing house for my Oh, book. that's right! I totally forgot about so that. Yeah,
1: there. Yeah, my God. Yeah, I totally forgot about that.
2: Empowering for girls, but also good here. mirrors.
0: Like good mirrors, like call mm-hmm. you on your your bullshit. Not bullshit, but
3: like mm-hmm. sure, don't. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not. You know
2: what I mean, like. But I think empowering, you know, as we like go through this and we edit it and I think about it, like it's so empowering. Like raising a now woman, my daughter is going to be 17. It's so empowering for girls to hear and women to hear that there truthfully is like an amazing support system out there. You just have to find the right people. Right. And when you have it, it's incredible. Like all of you are super successful in your own lanes, but there's also so much collaboration that can happen between you. I've always lived my life that way. And it's just like, I think great for, I mean, we touched a lot on mental health and we'll continue to, but there's so much that's out (coughs) there that is like dangerous and horrifying and crazy for for kids to see. But there's also so much goodness and like, there's so, there's just so many ways that we can all support each other and you're all doing that. So for us, it's spectacular to be able to shine a light on that. And I don't know, I'm just like a little choked up. I, down. Mean, right. I yeah. think
0: the new, the, the new generation also will only be able to help with that because what I see coming up are really, I think, confident, um, like self-aware, I don't want to say kids, but you know, I I feel like the next generation that's coming into the workforce that I see is like, they know a little bit more about what they want. And I guess part of my point with that is like, I, I think you have to check yourself. I know like being in sports at a younger, you know, when I was starting out, I, and often, often I was the only girl. So you get, I was scared at certain points about like competition, right? Like there's that you're like, where do I fit in this sphere? And there was like one female in every station in a market at every market I went to. Right. And you get used to that. And then when I went to ESPN, I was like, Whoa, okay. There's so many people just like me. Right. And so it's like you, I really had my eyes open. Like I need to flip a switch. I'm not I do not want competition. I want collaboration. And yeah. mm. you know, it was that was an interesting, fast lesson that I learned. Yeah. Anyway.
1: And I also want to add that the collaboration, like Emily is the one who's driven. Like we have <laughs> our lunches and did a lot of them were dinners, but you're the one who's kept us. I'm the cruise director. Yeah, she is. I mean, listen, Emily <laughs> has
2: my cruise ship too. <laughs> what is What's exciting you right now in your career, your own books, ghostwriting, you know, like what's going on that you just like wake up every day and you're like, I'm going to take the time to do this and everything you do, you just Mm. put so
4: much heart into, like
2: what is,
4: what's driving you (laughs) right now? (laughs) So actually they both, both writing my own books and ghostwriting both drive me. So, I don't know if you guys know this, but when I first was in college and thinking about what I wanted my career to be, I always knew I wanted to be in journalism and writing in some way, and I thought I wanted to be on air, but I wasn't willing to go live in, like, buttfuck, right. you know, and, like, <laughs> and like put in, I, I didn't want it enough, obviously, because I wasn't journalism willing to, like, that put in the, what?
3: Um,
4: no, like, to be, oh, sorry, okay. journalism, to okay. be on air. Okay. So Here. then I thought, but this is funny, then I thought... I, I had a boyfriend at the time who was very, very into baseball, and so I had an inordinate amount of baseball knowledge. And I Use thought, list. well, maybe Use I could like be swimmer. a, a sportscaster, sports like a like not on not on TV. I thought I was going to be a radio, radio sportscaster, and I actually talked to um, radio? yeah, so I don't know cool. why, yeah. uh, because you can really talk. You can What's your name, you Waldman? Susan Waldman. Who used to do the Yankees on the radio, and I thought I wanted to, you were gonna you were gonna do play by play for the Yankees. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd <laughs> have hey, been the color. I
3: thought I would have been the color person. He's like, whoa, okay. like, I no, like, no, I would have been the so color. color. No. There's a play by
4: play and a color person. I think I could have right. done, really? done the play by play. Sometimes they merge, and then you're like, oh, I also started playing basketball
2: basketball a visiting day. You are Right, I am you also know, a very you talented cool Radio voice—you would have like a like. Thank, yeah. I have been yeah, told that. Yes.
4: Um, <laughs> with the sexy <laughs> eyes, no less. So, it's radio. It's also So I thought I was going to do that, and um, I and I went to work at ABC News. Uh, that was my first. I didn't, you know, whatever. I didn't know I was going to be an. End but of, you were a desk assistant at ABC News. I was an assistant to Tom mm-hmm. Yellen, and then I was a PA. And then I was a production assistant or whatever they call <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, and and st- I, like later I, later later. I mean, it was yeah. totally entry level for two years. And I did some assistant stuff for Peter Jennings as well. Cause it was for Peter Jennings reporting his documentary awesome. unit, not for world news tonight. So, and then I sort of realized that that world wasn't for me, whatever. You don't need my entire history. But basically I, when I started writing books, I, I, I read Bridget Jones diary I, 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 I would read, you know, I, I read frequently at that point, although I was not a reader as a child, which people always ask me, I did not start reading. You were not like a
2: voracious reader. Nope.
4: Not, probably not until the end of high school did okay. I really start reading. And then I was an English major. So I read a lot in college and, but I read for pleasure as well. And I read Bridget Jones' diary and quite honestly, I thought to myself, I feel like I can do this. <laughs> like I feel, I, I feel like I could write a book like this and this seems really popular. So, oh, that's so cool. um, yeah. So I obviously got into novel writing and after maybe about six novels, there's six, I have seven books in total, but I think after the sixth or the fifth, this ghostwrite fell into my lap and I suddenly realized that it appealed to the side of me that had wanted to be more of a journalist yeah. and, told other and I had also been spending sense. years yeah, yeah. for magazines I was a magazine editor wow, so I was inter- I was tough. writing cover profiles I was interviewing people all the Either time Google stories or- but I wasn't writing a whole book about their life I was just writing a magazine article and right. I had written hundreds of articles luxury lifestyle you know travel all these things and when I when I got the ghostwriting project for one for me it is easier work than writing a novel because it is really telling a story that already exists. The hard part is getting the person's voice, but outside of that, it's truly a little bit more busy work than, like, you don't have to create a world and characters and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, suddenly you're writing with celebrities, so you, like, you know the book's gonna do pretty well. There's no, like, nervousness around that. And it's also not... It is your book, but it's not your book. So there's not that like feeling of, oh, oh my God, right. I need to kill myself yeah. to sell this book. Right? I don't really have to do anything to sell the book. I do because I want it to do well and I'm proud of it. But at any rate, I then sort of thought, well, and, and it's quite lucrative as well, which I'm not going to lie. It was a motivator. I mean, money's a motivator for sure. And so I thought, well, I could do a novel. I was writing a novel a year at the time. I could do a novel and like one to two ghostwrites a year i could really like triple my salary and
1: also did be more you fulfilled have
4: to write a ghost? So i didn't really know how long you could actually have my first ghost write i had to write in 5 weeks oh my god Ooh, um, yes. it was insane it was a crash project
1: and how long um, do you meet with the person
4: i talked to them, to them at like eyes. when i talk to them it's like an hour in hour chunks that was but a, how a psychotic many hours turnaround total? God, it depends on the book. You okay. know, it honestly really does depend on the book. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, She's like, I I'm like, I don't know. I could count. I could go back and count because I have all of the, I get a, I record everything. But, um, so then I, um, the next book also was needed that I got like 11 weeks for, which, which felt luxurious. And then I started getting projects and they'd be like, it's not due for six months. And I was like, <laughs> Wow. That's like, then I really did feel like, oh, well now I can write two books at once. Or I can, there was a moment where I was, had my hand in like four or five different projects at once. Um, did you really give yourself that six months or are you some, like, are you like, no, I I, I got it done faster, but I was sort of happy to be able to take more time and make a, make the book better. I mean, it's hard to make a book great in five weeks. And in this case it didn't really matter. It just mattered who the person was. Um, and also I I was able to do other things too. Yeah. So I did sort of like take Structured. more time than I actually needed. Um, so yeah, so and then also not for nothing, now with all this AI stuff, there's a very real concern that fiction writing will be right. eclipsed in some way. And it's less likely that ghostwriting will be because those are people's actual stories. Um, Mm, And you want like specific things that people don't know, you know, to get that. So it's really like a happy place for me right now. So I'm now working on my eighth book, my own eighth book. Writing that novel. So, I actually only need to write the first 50 pages, and I'm about 25 pages in today. What's it about? So, it is about. Yeah, I can say It's about um, a girl in her, a woman in her 30s who works at her family restaurant, which is an institution in Newport. And um, she sort of runs the restaurant, but has aspirations of being a chef and getting out of her small town that she grew up in. Mm. And she has grown up only with her mother who told her that her father was a one night stand and that he then passed away. And her best friend, you find out in the beginning, her best friend comes in and her, she finds out that her, shocking, her father has Parkinson's disease and she wants to do a, like a 23 and me kind of thing to find out if she has the gene for it. And she says to the girl, you know, the main character, like just you're going to do it with me, right? Like, let's do it together. And she's like, sure. I don't and even need sisters. to find out. They're not sisters. When I... she finds out that her father is still alive and he's no a very high profile multimillionaire living in Greenwich, Connecticut, <laughs> and that she has two half sisters. he knows she exists? Um, he does know she exists. And there's a lot behind him knowing she exists <sighs> and that she's been He's been doing a lot behind the scenes to support her through the years that she doesn't know oh. about. And um, she goes to meet them and, you know, sort of goes into that world and, uh, you know, from Jesus. there. Jesus. Before Lindsay goes, I should also quickly just mention that they have also been very supportive of my career. And when Pretty Revenge came out, Allison did a big in, in conversation with me for the launch party at Mitchell's. And I've done in conversations, online um, line on Instagram with mm-hmm. Stephanie and Lindsay and they post about my books and they are always, you know, very supportive in that way. So it, it, go, it does go both ways. So I <laughs> second all of that mm-hmm. with, um, with this group and friendship because
0: it's very true. So I, I'm, you know, I do sports, I'm a sportscaster, but what I found is I kind of woke up one day and it's like my... I'm I'm freelance. Right. And I've gone through all waves where I was full-time at like one company for so long. I know. And so when I left ESPN in 2017, I, um, first started getting gigs at, you know, I was doing sideline reporting for Fox and then CNN had sports, had a sports opening. And that's where I met Allison, which is so funny, which is great. And it was, um, but that was like for a swath of time and the hours were really just so, so, so early. You seemed to handle
3: it so well. <laughs> I, would, I would be, like, staggering by you at 3 a.m. I, I, I would come in at 4.30. I would get in at 4.30 because it's a yeah. long drive from Westport. Yeah. And I would walk by. You would already be there, like, at your desk, like, already scribbling. Because i was paranoid and I uh, wanted to do well. You see, and yeah. to be I am a morning
0: so – well. so I am a morning person. My husband mm. hates it because I truly, like, there's no question. I do my best – thinking and stuff oh, right. like between the, the hours of like, like <clears throat> six and yeah after four i'm kind of like eh. like I'm, uh, yeah. I'm all for the yeah, european's like, nap right yeah but anyway so he like so it's funny because when he gets up in the morning like you he like his siesta he puts him to bed himself to bed at like eight and and then that's fine like so day up early, yeah night, super then. early and so anyway where did i digress so i was doing that for a while and then i've had different little uh, projects, which is great, but what has made me panic, if I'm being honest, is like all of a sudden one day you're like, "Oh, like what am I doing?" Like, right? Because it's like you're yeah. project based, and I like it, but I there also, if I'm being honest, there's a lot of self worth wrapped up in that because yeah. you're like, "What is? Well, I'm a, I'm a sportscaster. and then I also I've said this before. It's like I've had people ask me, "Well, how are the kids?" And in the beginning, that was really hard. I was like. I'm great. I'm gonna be on this show. Like whatever. (laughs) Like 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 they're awesome. But what about like whatever, whatever. I'm beyond that. Um, but what so what I'm excited about is I'm you know, I do still have some TV projects that I'm doing, but I have done different versions of a podcast for a while, right? And I amongst our conversations, one of the um The people that Stephanie introduced me to was a friend now named AJ in Nashville. And I had never opened my mind to like doing branding work or really like it's kind of self-discovery, right? You would say so. I met with them. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. It's your fault. And it's totally my fault. they were so great because they made me think about, they sort of put me through this process where it was asking myself over the course of two days, a million things about who am I? Like, what, you know, what happened in my childhood during the, like they asked everything. And I'm never on that side of it. Right. So I was like, Whoa, this is really heavy and therapeutic and awesome. And she, we came out of it and she's like, Why aren't you like telling stories? Because what I'm passionate about, I think, is really storytelling. I do love sports and I love live events. Like I really get fueled up by being at a live event and or knowing the story behind players or a team and really just digging in and being able to communicate that. Like I love that. And I like breaking news Like I love breaking sports news When you have to I love fighting
4: to like Get that person to tell me something You're a very good storyteller You you did did this stuff with um, Craig's mom Oh, thank you Yeah That was very touching
0: So that conversation with Craig's mom Was about race And I had decided that I was going to Just ask her stuff that I didn't know Like having two biracial children You know, so that sort of Came during COVID And what I didn't expect was that People were like whoa, like I've always wondered that, but you I, I would never ask that. So that is really sort of at the core of now what I really want to try to do. And those people that I met with helped me figure out maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a video series. So right now I'm doing Lunch with Lindsay and that's what it is. That's the umbrella. And I want to have interesting conversations with people about things that I feel are relatable. And one thing that I think is interesting is I've had podcasts where they're partnered with great companies, big companies where you get paid. Like when you ask about money, I have anxiety because I'm uh-huh. like, I, really don't, I don't know. No. Like, right. Like, but, um, the truth is, I think you really have to lean into fear and going back to this, the point I was just trying to make was I really feel like, you know, leaning into conversations that you want to have. I'm sort of right now listening to what I think is interesting and I'm hoping that people that come to me for content might find it interesting too, because if they're following along with my stuff, it's sort of a big experiment. It's like, what do you want to hear about? If I'm talking to an NBA player like Chris Paul and he's talking about his family, I we started talking about black churches because he brought it up and I was like, I think this is fascinating. I want to know more about it. So there's that. But since then, additionally, I've been asked a couple times to give talks, right? To speak and <laughs> to speak, come speak. But to, sorry, <laughs> seems like when I'm interviewed, I don't do well. Yeah. <laughs> you Keynote talks, right? So, and I did this, I was hired by the, by an auto collision group to give a talk in Nashville. And it came on the heels of when I was doing an interview for my podcast. And I was like, this sounds really interesting to me. And I'm just going to do it. Like, you know, they're asking me to come, they're going to pay me, but they're asking me to talk about redefining success in your career. And at that point I was like, this is a little scary because I don't really exactly know what to share with them. But the night before the talk, I had my talk ready. I was so panicked. Like I could, it was sort of like what you were saying. I felt like I, you need the playbook. I almost like needed to leave. I was like, I'm I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can get, I'm the only one without a PowerPoint. I'm the only, like, I don't know that I can do this. And when I got, they asked me to come to the cocktail hour and I had to meet the man that was introducing me. And we sat down and he started talking about like fear and risk. And you know, everyone in this room just wants to hear like what you're trying. Like, lean into like the fear of doing your own thing and really going for it and it was sort of it reminded me of what made me feel like i could do something on my own when i met with aj and i was like these people are electric like this is what i need like these are the creative people that I'm like, how shut off have I been? That I need to prove to someone that I'm still doing X, Y, Z, right. In that world, maybe there's a part of that that's
3: still my world, but I would like my world to be something different. But so I do wrestle with, I still but how did the talk go? Like then did you, did you, was it, was it nerve wracking? Was it really energizing? Like then what happened? It was
0: so energizing. I wanted to get back up and do it again. Like again, just cause it was so fun. And I, um, One thing I did is like, I started with a joke because now what's funny is that more people recognize me for these Instagram jokes that I started doing Mm -hmm. during COVID Oh yeah, than than (coughs) they do for anything else. And I went up, I started with that and it was like, they liked it. And there were two guys from my hometown. I know they were there. It makes me Uh... want to cry from a dealership, a car dealership. You guys named Lindsay Cadillac. In Virginia, oh my God! Who I know, I don't know them personally, but I know that dealership, and they knew me from Virginia, and they followed me. And did oh they my name God. their automotive um, shop right, after. Right, right, right. <laughs> Like four decades before? I so no, but I was like, on I mean, I'm a spiritual person, and I was like. Thank you, God, for planting these men from Lindsay Cadillac in this in the <laughs> audience, and then allowing it brought you back to like oh, it what did. Really matters. Yeah, that. and I called them out in the middle of my talk, and it was like a, it was such a moment. It was like a great, fun moment. So awesome. I found myself really re-energized by. I played only a couple video clips, and but but it was like sports-centric things, moments that mattered to me that I felt really like you know inspired by. And they really leaned into it. And I was like, this is what I would like to do more of actually is like sharing with people, maybe like, you know, lessons or just not even lessons, access moments, moments. So I try to think about it now when I'm doing what I'm doing is can I bring people along and give them a credential with me? If I'm covering something, I'm doing a lot of horse racing now. And I've always wanted to learn more about that. I really like the sport. My dad covered it for years. And I'm like, if I have a platform that I can create for myself a little bit, to show people what I'm doing and bring them along the way. And I really would like to raise people up as much as I can, especially women. I love men and, and men, a lot of men have been great mentors too, but like, you know, Use I think that as a,
3: yeah, it's a great book. <laughs> It's a great quote. Yeah. It's great book, book. But <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out because I too have had incredible male mentors. I've yes. Yeah. Yes. So like, like super incredible. Like and I. And also. 100%.
2: Bitches
1: women. Bitch women. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Totally. Of course. Yes. Right. Which right. is why like
3: I'm always. I'm very. I, I really admire um, these women because it's just sheer generosity. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. And they don't have to. Like you can either operate from a point of, you know. Um, scarcity. Like be yes. Yes. scarcity. Yes. I feel like or, especially in our, our like, industry. When I was at See,
4: just for those two short years, all the men were so nice, and the women were so cutthroat and so yeah. bitchy and so fearful that you were going to take that job. That's their what I
0: was saying about like yeah. flipping this the competition. Yeah, yeah, and yep. I think for a, a long time, it's like women are being put sometimes in uh, management positions, and during that time, it's like they they're grown around the men, and you think you've got to act like a man, right?
4: maybe so I have one quick question for Lindsay if you don't mind because we all have husbands who are in very different careers than we are Mm -hmm. what is it like to be in the same career with your significant other I mean ultimately I think that it's it's
0: helpful and it's nice I think the, the biggest benefit to it is if he says example we're on vacation and he has an opportunity to interview Magic Johnson and that comes up like the day before we're going on vacation I get it like yeah. he do I love it? No, that sucks. But do I get it? Absolutely, because I would be on that plane. Right. You or do I would the want to be. Thing. Right. And even it could be anyone that he's talking right. to. But so I is think he is understanding in the reverse with you. He really is. He really is. To the point that sometimes, if I'm being honest, I wish like you know, like some, sometimes he's so like, go, go, do it, go do it. Like I'm like, well, but really, like you don't, you know. Sometimes you're like, well,
3: <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna put your foot down. <laughs> you miss right? me yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, But um, but no, he's ultimately supremely supportive in that, and I think, um, so that's one of the good things. One of the tough things is the same thing. It's that. It's like the push and pull. That's why I was on my bathroom floor c- crying about him leaving, and we had just gotten there, and. I remember I called my dad, too. (laughs) So (laughs) my mom's like, get wine. My dad's like, what are... And call your father. (laughs) So my dad's a journalist, right? My dad... I married my dad. Like, my dad worked for USA Today. He covered politics and then sports. But he was always gone. And he was always doing really exciting things. And he also was... cut When he was covering sports, now I understand. And so it's an interesting dynamic, too, with, with all of that. But he, in that moment, was like you know, I'll talk to him. And he's like, but that's not a good idea. And he was like, listen, you've got it. Like what you have to do is maximize and understand that you have to make the most of the time that you're together. Right. And he, and at that time, did I want to hear that? No, but I think to be honest, I think that's a theme for anybody. It's a theme for married couples. It's a theme for family. It's a theme for parents with children. Right. Like I think about that all the time. You go so fast. We all know that. And now like, we're all like,
4: go, honey, yeah, go away. Go on I a mean,
0: trip like for so a few all days. all five of us are married. All right. of us have yeah.
2: kids. Do you feel, I mean, Lindsay, like Emily, great segue and, and question. Do you all feel that your husbands are super supportive of your careers? Yeah, lots of head
3: shaking. I certainly yep. feel that way about mine. I life. could never do my career if my husband wasn't a Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have left the house yeah. every day okay. at four in the morning if my husband wasn't going to be there to help the kids get to school, make breakfast, right, do all of that. And and on the times that I, uh, in the news cycle, when it's been a really intense news cycle, um, like during the 2016 election, during um, COVID, anytime that I was feeling drained, or exhausted my husband would say things like, now Now's no time to take your foot off the gas. Get in there. Yeah. I'm I love like, that. Me too. I mean, mine really so too.
2: I mean I started this role during, like post COVID. Mm-hmm. Like my husband, Emily knows super well. Like he's like, this is not the time to slow down. Like, yeah, I totally I totally respect to that. And
3: I appreciate that. I needed that uh, fire lit because yeah. you can feel exhausted. And, so and guilt to, also, I think. Guilt? Yeah, I mean, exhausted. I don't feel that much... I don't, I'm not somebody who like suffers from that much guilt um, with, because of the kids. Like, I always felt it was a good. <coughs> it was on balance, great for them, even if I was absent, to see to see my purpose yeah. and how much enthusiasm I have for my purpose. So, so I never too, had that much guilt, but it was very helpful to have my husband remind me of my purpose. I, like, I don't know so. what having it all is, but like, that's what know... I mean. When we
2: were
4: talking about the balance. balance Just
3: the gratification. I mean having whatever whatever you wanted. Whatever you you want. I will
4: say that I will never forget the one piece of advice that Allison gave me and I know I've repeated this back to you before. You may not remember remember it now. But I was griping and my kids were younger, so this must have been earlier on in our lunches and dinners, and I was griping about just like always doing everything like being the person who always does everything. And she said, (laughs) just don't do it. Right. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, if I don't, she's like, just don't do it.
3: Lie in your bed. And just don't, don't do
4: it, it, and somebody <laughs> and else will happens. get it done. <laughs>
3: it happens. I'm not even yeah. really terrified by this. Like they, It has not occurred to them. but because It, it, of- it, it
4: had not occurred <laughs> to me to just <laughs> not do it, want- and that someone else would eventually take the garbage out if I didn't.
2: I read something the other day if you wait long enough to make your kids dinner, <laughs> it's eat cereal. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> it's, really, like it's so it bad. But uh, like, you know, it, it just yeah. takes like, But it's also because I was a morning
3: anchor that it was that I was. So I would come home at three, whatever. I would be, have to take a nap at 3 PM, right? So while I took a nap, from three, That's to like what five, the were coming home five, right. I didn't know what the hell was going on out there. Right. Like I, didn't know, I mean, It sounded like it sounded like a marching band at times. Like might be outside. It sounded like somebody was screaming at times. I didn't know somebody was breaking into the house. Like I didn't know what was happening. And so, if somebody needed to be driven somewhere or something needed to be made I'm not doing it. Did I'm, that right? ever make you feel? Um, because a couple times when I've done
0: morning shows, oh did it God. ever feel make you feel like you were listening out, missing out when you were in
3: between? No, I knew you were I was missing no. out on slumber time. I was yeah, yeah, saying, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not uh by guilt like that. No, no, I, I, no that just, I, I just mean, knew what I,
0: I needed good. to do. I yeah. do one thing I think also is when you mentioned the husbands, um, I think it it's critical and what I've learned is because when sometimes I'll say to Melvin, like we move so fast, like and it you know, there are ebbs and flows of like how yeah. busy you are, but sometimes if it's hit just right, it's like we don't see each other or you're just ships passing. And you know, you, you miss a lot in those times, not only like seeing the other person, but obviously like some communication. And I really have a new lens of like, just how important communication is. Mm-hmm. Also, you made me think about it when you were talking about what Tim said about just go for it, because there are times that if Melvin will say something and maybe cause he's busy, he says it and it sounds, I take it in as like, but that's harsh. Like, what do you mean? You know? And i right, like, feel right. it. so I'm like, so wait, tell me, like, I don't understand. And I found, you know, it's like, if you need to, figure it out. Go talk to someone. Like truly. Like now I'm like, I think therapy every week is great. Twice a week, win.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, like seriously, because yeah. I yeah, just yeah. think my therapist
3: would love to see twice. But like my family. <laughs> but individual, is,
2: once a week is, is a
0: requirement. Like individual and couples. And also I was listening to something and they were talking about how they took their um mom or to therapy. I was like, I should take my mom therapy. I There's a lot of, a a lot of baggage that. there, or like sibling therapy. I was like, could use that. One of the things that I love to just ask a variety of people that I have conversations with is, is there something that you would consider the toughest thing that you have professionally or personally gone through that you really feel like you've learned from that, that you would share to younger people? Hmm. You know. I don't
1: know Mm -hmm. if that feels heavy. No, I'm all like, the toughest thing has been to work, getting a job, an acting job, on the other, in Vancouver, so other coast, and for eight months, and feeling like I was a commuting mom, Mm -hmm. and not a commuting worker. Um, But it's unbelievable. First of all, my kids, I grew up seeing my husband, who supported his... Their mother, his wife, his the person he loved to go after what she loves. Like, he, he was part of the decision. I was like, I'm not doing this on the phone with the producer. No. And I he was like, like, Yes, you are. Like, yes. Yes, oh, was, right. my an yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an adventure. It's going to be an adventure. And, um, and also, it allowed him to step into a role that he maybe wouldn't have been in had I... Right, been, more caregiver. Yeah, mm-hmm. more of a, like, yeah. and it, he said to me the best thing, he was like, I never realized, like, when I would go to work, I would just go to work, and house would be over And he said, and now I realize when you were gone, I would go to work, but in my head, I had the kids' schedule, yeah. da- da- I was never completely cut off. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was cut off in Vancouver. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> totally. But, yeah. So... Yeah that to and then to younger girls my mom said uh you know your kids you love your kids forever more than anything in life but you are your own person your kids will leave they'll have their own life and keep your identity you're not just a mother you're also who you are as a woman so that
2: i've That's always she worked her whole life know. do you have the toughest thing do I have a toughest thing? What is it? The toughest thing that is what? That's happened career wise Any or it, anything, but something that you've learned from. I think the toughest thing was, um, you no, know, many years ago, I was, um, the editor in chief of um, Hampton's magazine. I was there for, um, over a decade. And when I left, I thought that was my identity. And it was like who I was. That's who, that's how people knew me. They knew me both through my professional life and my personal life through that lens. I didn't take maternity leave when I had my daughter. I was so just obsessed and driven by what I was doing. Um, and when I left, I didn't like, I didn't give it any space and I totally fell apart. And I just like, I lost a huge part of who I was. And I feel like everyone shakes their head here because you get that. Um, But it was such a distinct part of like my personality and it was my social life. It was my professional life. It was my personal life. My marriage, like basically 13 years of my marriage were like part of that. Mm -hmm. Raising like the formative years of my daughter were through that. And when I left, I was just like, I didn't
4: like know who I was. And that was just well, like being a it is like right for very much for you. It was like being a celebrity, being an actress on the yeah. top hit television show. Everyone knew who you were in that space, and it was you taking back, pictures with yeah, and taking God, pictures with celebrities, yeah. and yeah, and, and then it took goes away. It's good, scary. Like it took, uh,
2: I and mean, to be honest, it took like. A a your still therapy. Therapy. you're still working through it. You're still I'm actually working through it right here. Thank you. I'm actually working here right now. Hold on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm fine, I'm fine. A lot of therapy. Uh, two two times a week for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it you know, as much as like I can say and we're all talking about like how important working as a woman is, I almost took it like to a too far of a degree and it became so much a part of who I was and it took a number of years to um just like separate those two things and understand what my value was as a professional and also understand like what it looked like like I came back into being a mom in a way that I was like oh my god my daughter's gonna be so psyched that I'm home and she's like I'm not used to you right <laughs> being here all the time like what you're saying where it's like I need the siesta at three she's like where's the siesta like just right, go." go and like you're here all the time and I overcompensated and then that took a while to understand like what balance like looks like like I can be present I can figure out like what I enjoy and now my daughter's almost 17 but like what it looks like being a mom that the two of us enjoy yeah. and also like what being a professional looks like and what's rewarding. So that's like my... That was a heavy-handed... I'm I'm so glad you shared that. that. I think that's awesome. You know, it was like it was too much. And then it was like nothing, right? And then I was like to what you're saying, I was like, oh my god, I couldn't even... I like launched my own company. I was like, I'm a fraud. Like, I don't need even no... Right? Yes, like, I, don't, I don't know syndrome. what I'm doing yes. yeah. I don't know what I'm doing By the way, imposter syndrome did not exist as a term Yeah um, 47. i 47, I like that it's a term now But like it didn't exist as a term And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing Like, why is anyone going to hire me? What am I like, you know It went all over the map Every single day my husband's like What are we feeling today? <laughs> a bit a little crazy Um but yeah, it's you know, but that's the
4: yeah, I guess that's my my heavy like work life lesson. I think the hardest part for me was rejection um along the way, not because I don't have a thick skin and not because I was personally injured by the rejection, which I actually don't think I was. But because I was frustrated by the fact that I had always believed that if I just worked hard enough and tried hard enough, that I would be able to accomplish whatever I wanted. And all of a sudden I was in this oh, yeah, industry yeah. where you you could write the best book and someone may buy it, but four people might reject it first. And I, I just sort of felt like we should talk. If we talk, maybe you can see why you really need to publish this book. And I've always said, and I always say this to authors coming up, if you can, if, if there is any interest from an editor at a publishing house, do whatever you can to get on the phone with them. Because my belief was always, if I could just get the editor on the telephone, I could convince them verbally and that I wasn't just some manuscript being yeah. handed in. So the rejection was frustrating me again, not because I can't deal with rejection. I actually can. But because it was sort of like, what do you mean you're rejecting me? <laughs> like, what I can do this. this. Yeah. Right. Like, I can. Um, do you think
0: that something I've realized probably seriously only the past four months is that I really suck at dealing with not getting a Why? And I didn't realize this about myself and I'm like, but there was like a work situation that was, it, it seemed so on track. And it, I, the other thing I've realized is like what I would, what I would fight for to do now in career wise. Like I know exactly what type of role I'd be like, sign me up. You, you don't have to pay me. Like I'll do it. Right. Um, but when I couldn't get an answer about like, wait, well, why I'm like, batting my
4: head against the wall. No, Usually like you're not going to get, get a freaking answer. In my world, you do get an answer. Sometimes the answer is hollow and, you know, it's, I just didn't fall in love with the book or <laughs> I didn't, okay. you know, or yeah. you have an amazing voice, but it's this or that. So there was always a why. I don't think I was as wrapped up in that. And then the other thing I will quickly say that's been tough for me is I always want to take on everything And this is an example from very early on in my career. Clearly, I kept writing these articles for $50. I mean, this is like in the very, very beginning. And one day Lewis just looked at me and he was like, enough. Mm-hmm. You put so much time and energy. You're better than this already. Aww. Like, please stop writing articles for $50. Right. You know, Aww. just like you're d- don't take on 20 articles for $50. Search out that one article that you would get paid $2,000 for, you know, but I was always it's work. It's a chance to prove myself. It's and when Stephanie was telling her story about, um, you know, should she do a million little things? It was in Vancouver. There was a period during COVID where you really, and this, not only was I so in awe of it and I had so much respect for it. She decided what was right for her, what was right for her family. And she just said, this is what I can do. This is what I can give you. I'm simply not doing any more than that. And I thought, she's fucking crazy. She's on a hit television show. Like, just do the fucking show. Do whatever they're asking you to do. Like, you don't you don't worry about your kids or your family. Just, like, do it. It's going to advance you to the next level. And that wasn't what was most important to her. Both things were important to her. And Obviously my kids are important to me. But the right career opportunity came up, but I was so respectful of that because I've always been this person who almost feels like I can't say no to things. Yes. And Lewis is always the one. You know, I just got I offered a couple of months ago. This is not actually short at all. I got offered a couple of months ago um, right. two real housewife people were doing a book. And by that point, I was in a phase where I had done a couple of real housewife books and I was trying to move away from that. And it wasn't the right project for me. It wasn't going to pay enough. There were so many wrong things about it, but it was, I kept saying to myself, two years ago, you would have killed to get this book. How do you, how can you give it up? How can you give it up? And I called my agent and I called Lewis. I called them both to ask them about it. And I was like, like one tenth of a way through the description of what and they were like you're not doing that (laughs) no no No. what what no your instinct is right don't do it and I was like okay (laughs) okay okay Okay. I can turn it down I can turn (laughs) it down (laughs) I feel the same way
0: I guess that's awesome it's like that's That's a confidence reminder what did Lewis say about that was he
4: oh he was like turn it down he's He's like that's so like you're past that right yeah he's like there's nothing redeeming about this to you except that it's a project Like, it doesn't pay your fee. Right, not like you don't need to make yourself it, busy. It's yeah, like something, or something. Well, something else will come along in three weeks that is the right project right. and does pay yeah. your fee. So don't just take this because it's being offered to you. Yeah. And I have a hard time with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that's great. It's your instinct. That's great, though. Yeah. How
3: about you? Well, I mean, I can't build on any of this. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, I totally agree. I mean, and the, to, the, the times that I've had the hardest times in my life, from teenagehood on, um, therapy has really helped. I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that people, there are times, there are times that I've been able to muscle through it. Mm -hmm. And there are times, why are you bothering to muscle through it? Like there are times you don't have to do that. mm -hmm. And, um, so even when I didn't have like a lot of money, I found some, you know, therapist in my twenties who would take a sliding scale. Like it's, I really am glad that you've, Driven that home because everybody has that. Like the idea that people don't need help is a fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. I've myth. never been in therapy.
4: Wow. Not because I don't feel that I, uh, because I'm anti it, I just have never done it. And have you ever? I brought, always think I can figure it out for myself. You know, have, have, like, you
3: like, have you ever felt depression crazy. or anything? No. That's good. Yeah. No. I, 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 I would say that's the tipping point. Like to me, the tipping point was. Is a, a, a prolonged period of sadness or depression. Yeah. Usually, for me, it's situational like a loss. Mm-hmm. If there's a loss, mm-hmm. a job, a relationship, where I can't pull myself back, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where I have relied on therapy.
2: But I think for professionals, it's really important to say that too, though. Like a loss can be a job, absolutely. Like
4: right, like, it oh, like yeah. a lot of people. Like that person, was the first right. time. Yeah.
2: Yes, I was just like I'd never been in therapy before. Um, my parents were never believed in therapy I just didn't like grow up in that while all of my friends in New York City were in therapy I was like the one kid who wasn't yeah. well and Emily too apparently Right, so the two I'm of not us not in <laughs> therapy <laughs> not in therapy um, but and it shocked me that I was like a job is like a loss like I just didn't understand that I was you know um, but yeah, no, I think that's like such an important point too, where you just like, you just can't like pull yourself out of like, you're just not yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or sometimes and you can't, reason, you like you really, like, can't, like there were things that I'm like a big one, like I can muscle through a lot and I was like, oh, I can't muscle through this yeah. one on my own.
1: That's good. And I think also you don't need to, you don't you need, need to. to, you don't need to be in crisis, not even right. on relationships, Right. like a lot of people's, you know, if you go to counseling, marriage counseling, it's like, Ooh, Things aren't that right. good. No, it's actually great. You learn how to argue. You learn. Like, right. It's like Yeah, yeah. We, we're not taught in schools how to take, uh, you know, criticism, how to react when we take something personally. We're, there's so many, like, emotion, emotional intelligence is not really yeah. taught in school. Yeah, or sensitivity. I thought a yeah. lot about that. Like, ooh, maybe I am a
0: lot more sensitive. Than God, <laughs> right? Like, really. It's interesting to look at yourself through a different lens. Lastly, Do you guys have anything that you're doing now that is a part of your day, like a ritual that you do that you think is really awesome and helpful? Yes, I do.
3: I'd like to start with this. (laughs) Because I feel very strongly about it. I'm looking for stuff. (laughs) I feel very, very strongly about this. Okay. Stephanie gave me this beautiful book. It's like a gratitude journal. And so you wake up in the morning and talk about what you're grateful for that day. Like a gratitude list. It's It's a total five-minute journal. It's it's. That's what it's called? Yeah. Five minutes ago. It's so wonderful because um, yeah. Oprah had a gratitude, like, of the three things you're grateful for. Yeah. And, I, or, and I knew during a previous, uh, like, a hard time that that works, like, saying what you're grateful for. But this is just, like, a ritual, like, a practice to reframe your day. Like, if you start in the morning and talk about what you're grateful for, what you're looking for that forward to yeah. that day, and then at the end, literally, it's, like, one minute, like, what did you learn today? Um at the end of your day? Yeah, or what was good today? What was good today? today and that's just it's, really good when you have a shitty day
2: It's too. such a gift. It's that's such a so gift. awesome. And it can be big things and small things. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right? Of course. I've been like doing it for seven years. Clean running water can be Absolutely. Water.
1: Absolutely. So good. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yes. Is it the first thing you do? Mm. That's awesome. And the last the the last. last table. bedside bit Bedside table. a yeah.
1: Uh, I started doing meditation like 10 years ago and then transcendental meditation like seven years ago or eight years ago. And it's really amazing. What does that mean, The transcendental? It's just a technique. So you can do guided meditation, you can do breathing, different focus. So this is just, what's different is that you go to a course for four days. And somebody teaches you how to okay, do it, okay. and it seems a little intense. But it's and it's really easy after that to keep it going. It's not a spiritual practice. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's very. You don't need to be religious <coughs> or anything. And what I found, the meditation itself is not what's helpful. Is like when you are doing going about your day and your thoughts are like, because you do this training of looking at your thoughts when they go like this and then bringing them back to your mantra during the day when you're in a thing like this you catch yourself and you're more able to bring it back to the present it's been really good
2: i saw a um sergeant or a captain i'm sure i'm getting his title wrong in the military um saying that the most important thing to start your day is making your bed and i can be the kind of person who I think like I take beautiful pictures. My Instagram looks really beautiful. And you have a jump closet where everything's <laughs> stuffed in there and you open the door and it all, and it all falls <laughs> in your face. Like that is kind of me, right? Like, so I can be super, super calm or I can be really chaotic. Like I don't have a good middle ground. And so if I don't do certain things, I lean more towards chaos than calm and I need to be like calm. I mean, none of us want to be chaotic, but when I get chaotic, it just more chaos starts. Um, And so I always wake up in the morning, like open the shades, like pull up the blinds, whether it's rainy or it's sunny, just like seeing natural light and make my bed and like make it really pristine and beautiful. (laughs) Because if I don't do that, every single thing and it's so simple but like for, for probably 99% of the population that's not important or maybe, I mean it, those numbers may be skewed but for a lot of people that's probably not important, for me if I don't do that I lean towards like who's the one in like the, uh, the one in the, Charlie like Brown. Charlie Brown yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, right, it's like oh, the, wow. that,
2: was a, that, that was a, a good idea. Idea. <laughs> I wasn't was, like, was <laughs> at was that at all, you might be a I, you know, similar. Like Very similar. To <laughs> yeah, another. like I yeah. can lean in that direction. If I wake up in the morning and like I make my bed, I you know I get up and I just start the day in a beautiful manner. It like sets the tone and the stage for what the rest of the day is going to be like. If I don't do that, I can kind of tell you by the end of the day, it's not going to be huh. good. I love that. So that's it. It's like not great. I mean, I meditate. I do you know I, I do a lot of other things but it's like the bed making I can always tell like if you go into my bedroom and my bed's not made housekeeper or not <laughs> um, I always make my own bed I don't do my own sheets <laughs> but, but I make yeah. my own bed um, that's just kind of the barometer
4: of like calmness in that's how you achieve it my life cruise director mm. mine is simple I just walk yeah. um, unless it's really pouring rain even if it's drizzling I just walk. I walk anywhere between three and five miles in the morning. And that's my time to just clear my head. Sometimes I talk to a friend if that's something that I, you know, for part of it. If not, I just listen to music and sort of like think about either. I think about something that's on my mind or I think about how my day is going to look, um, whatever it is. It just like centers me. And what time you leave? What time do I start walking? Um, it depends. If it's if it's like during the school year, I just go like when my kids go to school. So I'll go at eight a.m. In the summer it's more like eight thirty, maybe, um, and then I usually walk for like an hour, mm-hmm. um, and then I come back and start working. I, I consider that my exercise as well. That's great. Yeah, but that's. Also- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so
0: grounding things. Mm-hmm. grounding things.
3: Thank you guys. Thanks oh for lunch.
0: sure. Super yes. I love those ladies and I just feel grateful to be a part of, of those conversations because there's so much knowledge there and so much breadth of different types of experiences. My friend Stephanie Shostack, um, you know, who I said was the actress, she talked about the book that she's releasing. This is it. She gave me a copy early. It's selfish and next week is when this comes out. So shameless plug for her, but it's so awesome. And as I told her, it's so cool to see that her worlds of acting and really putting her passion down to paper are sort of converging at the same point, which is amazing. Um, anyway, all of those women are wonderful. Allison's memoir is coming out after the first of next year. And Emily is writing a book that is going to be coming out sometime soon as well. Um, As for me, I'm really enjoying doing this. I would love to hear what you guys want to hear more of, the types of conversations that you're enjoying, and um, I hope you're having a great fall. So don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review. Let me know what you think. Listen anywhere you can get your podcast, and tell your friends. Tell your friends to listen. Tell them to watch. Um, As always, I appreciate you interacting and collaborating with me here in this space, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks.